uh, we're honored to have her here, and uh, every time she teaches, Amen. something good that, that we get from her. Yes. Thank you. Honored to have you as my pastor, and Thank you. all Amen. the saints of God here have been a blessing to me in so many ways, and I'm so blessed. I love this assembly, and uh, I thank God that it's here. <laughs> it's working. Amen. They said 20% of the churches have not returned. People are not returning. Some, some say they're afraid of the virus, but others just, you know, they just got used to not being in church. I wonder if God's doing it. I know he's doing it, shaking, but, you know, there's a wind blowing also. Scripture says, what is the chaff to the wheat? You know, God is doing a separation. Those who are truly His and those who are truly looking and loving His appearing. And then there are those that are of the Laodicean sort. And uh, I had a. Oh, is it working? Only that one. Oh, yeah. Turn me turn. Praise God. No technology. That's a good thing sometimes. D.C. for a prayer rally of people coming from all over the world in 1980. And uh, my mother wanted to go, so we went and spent a few days there and watched, you know, met a lot of people. And it was an earnestness of praying and, you know, crying out to God. But the one I saw this weekend was it surpassed it in so many ways. Yes, I mean, it amen. Was true heartfelt repentance and naming the sins that of our nation. You know, just like some of the prophets in the Bible. It was just as if they had done it, you know, even though they hadn't done it, but they said they had done it. Sure. You know, to you know align themselves with the nation that had sinned so grievously against God. And God is shaking Shaking, shaking, shaking. Look everywhere you look around the world. There's things going on and converging. I uh, was looking at a few uh, things on the news. I don't share all of them. Just a couple that kind of stood out to me. That yesterday, CDC uh, talking about the fatality rates, and they did it according to age. This is from the CDC yesterday. Yeah. And they said that if you're between the ages of zero to 19, there's a one in 34,000 chance that you'll be a casualty. One in 34,000. If you're 20 to 49, there's one in 5,000 chance that you could be a casualty of COVID-19. If you're 50 to 69, one out of 200. 70 and up, one out of 20. 
but it was interesting to me because there's really not that much difference from the regular flu that we have. Right. That's right. And we've had SARS and we've had all kinds of flus and stuff to go on, but we know that there's something else behind all this. And we can see the fears and the doubts of people and you know, even the little ones wearing the masks now, you know, it's just not natural to them. And you see them, they just don't like to do that. So we're seeing it and they're gonna have to confess it, you know, that all this stuff that they were doing is not really uh, required. Then uh, how many of you saw Project Veritas? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I knew you Oh did. yeah. I knew. <laughs> they had real-time video of ballot harvesting in Minnesota. Oh, a van full of ballots. This uh, in Minnesota, they have a large Muslim community of Somalians, Sudan, Sudanese, and uh, they had gone to the, there was a big, huge apartment building where most of them were living, and this Muslim guy would go there and just collect all their ballots and just take them. They fill them out the way they wanted to fill them up. That's how Ilhan Omar got in last time. That's right. And she did the same thing, and also another gentleman uh, that was you know, in line with her as well. Uh, it was done by cheating, but what kind of stood out to me is the guy was talking about, you can't do anything in this country without money. It's all about money, you gotta have money. And then he, you know, I guess he was cussing in his own language, it sounded like it. <laughs> Anyhow, <coughs> that's going on, and uh, I think there's a lot of other places where these things are going on. And yet, the wall is being built, I hear that there's of it being built every single night. And the peacekeeping efforts in the Middle East are amazing. Nations <coughs> are coming together what we never thought could ever happen. We know it's not gonna last. We know it's not gonna last. But just to see that some of them are willing to do that. And uh, we do need to pray for our president, you know. Yeah. Sometimes I cringe. <laughs> And I think he uses the personal pronoun I a little bit too much. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> he asks us to pray for him, you know. But, you know, you should give God the credit for whatever happens, mm -hmm. the good things that happen. So pray for him, and he will realize, you know, that it's God. Without him, he has nothing. Without God, our nation has nothing. I believe God's moving in our nation. I believe our humility, our, I'm repenting every single day and crying out to God for mercy. Because we have stacked up a lot of judgment. Yeah. 60,000 aborted babies. They did a, a film on up there at, the, at that uh, return. I think it was hours long. But they had a, a, a short video. I just wept and cried when I saw that. The baby being born. I mean, the baby, you know, from its earliest stages, the level of its growth. And it, in the meantime, somebody is talking and saying, oh, I just know my mom's gonna be so happy when I, when I come out and I've got my mom's this and I've got my daddy's eyes and I got, you know. And this, then all of a sudden, look what's going on, it's too early. It's, it's, not, it's not time for me to come out yet, it's not. You know, and then they leave you with that. It's just a big boo-hoo and slay and snot time, I tell you. It's just, horrible when you think of it. God said blood, innocent blood cries out to him. If the blood of Abel 
cried out to God, come up 60 million. And there's more because we've exported abortion to the world. We are the main ones of that. But God is working, and, I, and I'm kind of amazed. How many of you heard of uh, Sean Foyt? Okay, you haven't heard of him. Here's a guy, Sean Foyt. He's a <clears throat> he's a son of missionaries. You see him? He's wearing a sleeveless uh, T-shirt, you know, numbers on him, you know, just kind of like uh, regular guys do. He's got a wife and family, and he's out there playing his guitar. He's gone to every hot spot: Minneapolis, San Francisco. He was just in Fresno yesterday. Gone to Texas. He's gone to Florida. Every hot spot where they've had those riots. He's been arrested several times. But the crowds, <coughs> the crowds of young people that are there, it's amazing. Thousands and thousands. I mean, and he's not really that good of a guitar player. <laughs> but it's God drawing and the hunger. People are tired of the confusion that's going on. And they come, and they come, and they shout, and they dance, and they praise God, cry, and they even have, you know, they have some kind of thing there to baptize people and stuff. But I'm just talking about how, you know, there is a hunger. Amen. There's a hunger for reality. And it's not all about this stuff that we see every day. It's not. God has so many more things. And one of the ministers that spoke, there were many who prayed, and, uh, it was one, he, I just caught the last, I can't find him on the thing because I don't know how many hours long I'm trying to go on find that particular minister, I can't find him. But he talked about being the gatekeepers. He said, we are the gatekeepers. Why is there a falling away? Why are there evangelical ministers standing with Planned Parenthood? Why? All of these things that are contrary. He said, we are the gatekeepers. It is our responsibility to not let the unclean come in. It is our commission to pray, to seek God, and to do the work of a gatekeeper, also called porters and doorkeepers. One the psalmist said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. But it was a very difficult ministry. Only priests could do it. Only those of the Levite tribe could do it. Are we priests? Amen. Are we a royal priesthood? Come on, amen. Yes. yes. Then we're gatekeepers. Right. And we're porters. You know the difference between a watchman, we need watchmen on the walls. Amen. But the watchmen and the gatekeepers, they work together. But what does the watchman have? He has a trumpet. And he uses that trumpet and makes different sounds, you know, whatever situation is going on. If it's an army coming to attack or if it's just people visiting or something, it's, you know, he sounds with his trumpet. But the gatekeeper, he's loaded with weapons. He's got that by him. And he is there, he knows he has to hold that gate. He has to hold it. I think Pastor was preaching <coughs> about all the different gates. I don't know, somebody was. Was it you? About all the different gates, the sheep gate, the dung gate, 
and the fish gate, and the eastern gate, and so many gates. But they had different priests that were in charge of those gates. The bars, the locks, they had to be sure that all of those things were in proper working order because the city is only as strong as its gate. Unless you're really smart like those that the Medes and the Persians that went under the wall of Babylon, they had some huge, huge gates and doors. We talk about them, they even rode chariots on or whatever they had on top of their wall. It was so huge and so thick. But the enemy just went in under there, viaduct, just went right under there and took over the city because they'd been drinking all day and all night. Took it over without a shot being fired. But we need to keep the gates. First, we've got to keep the gates of our mind. Yeah. Uh, we've got the eye gate. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't need to go into details about all these things, but there's so many things now. You can't get, let me look at my audience. No, I can't see it. <laughs> <laughs> commercials, just commercials. Yeah. You can't stand it. I mean, I don't need to know. It's just too much information on those commercials. I don't like to see those commercials. They're awful. <laughs> you can't get them. They get them in there. I don't know if they're using psychiatrists to, to you know, manipulate people, and, and they know just how to do things. But uh, yeah, gotta guard the eye gate. We see things all the time, and we need to be careful of what we see, what we hear, and things that we listen to. We ought not to be listening to, and I don't just mean, you know, music and stuff like that, but getting in certain groups of people, there's a lot of things that we don't need to hear. So as gatekeepers, we've got to keep our minds, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it comes the issues of life. Guarding, gatekeeper, it all goes together. As a gate is a well-guarded opening, it opens and it closes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And there has to be somebody to approve who is coming through. Mm -hmm. Who is coming through? They have to approve that person. Well, let me check this time here. I've got the, the scriptures here. All right. Psalms 100, verse 4. Somebody get that for me right away? Regular. 
things are slowed down, a lot of pressures and stresses here and there, family issues, all so many things. But he still says, when you enter into my gates, enter into my gates for Thanksgiving, yeah. no matter how you feel. Yeah. He requires that we enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise, being thankful unto him and bless, him. And bless his name. Why? Well, he is good. And his mercies endure forever. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Matthew 7, 13 to 14. Okay, enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, broad is the way, that leads to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. <coughs> It was also verse 14. Because straight is the gate, narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few be there that find it. Straight and narrow gates, broad and wide gates. God does what doesn't want us to miss it. Acts 3 and 2. Remember the story of that sick man? <clears throat> Acts 3 and 2. And a certain lame man from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called what? Beautiful. Are there a lot of lame, sick, I'm talking about spiritually sick, destitute? There are a lot of people sitting at that beautiful gate. That don't know the Lord. That don't know His power. Because at the time of prayer, Peter and John, and we know this, that scripture, they fastened their eyes on Him and said, What? Look on us. And He was expecting to get some money from them, of course. <laughs> Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have. And what did He have? He could open up the gates of God, heaven's uh, gates, right. and bless him oh, with yeah. healing and deliverance mm -hmm. and a knowledge of God. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. The beautiful gates that we have in this world. Look at the homeless. You don't have to go far. Let's go to Seattle. I was I knew we had a lot of homeless there in Los Angeles. But I saw them in Seattle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. just everywhere. Yeah. In dangerous places too, near the freeway. Yeah. <laughs> Sitting at the beautiful gate. Peter and John going up into the house of God to worship. <clears throat> you see the picture there? The lost, the impoverished, the broken. We are called to be gatekeepers who rescue the perishing, care for the dying. And to tell them that Jesus truly saves. All right, we're going to go to First Chronicles 26.
This is really a kind of a little treasure I just got. I never noticed this before. Verse 4, the sons of Obed-Edom. Remember that name? Mm -hmm. Obed-Edom. What awesome privilege did he get? For three months, the ark of God stayed in his house. His little kids saw the presence of God was there. They blessed everything in his house. God blessed everything in the house. And then three months, that went on. And I think about that, the awesomeness of their experience, the family of Obed-Edom. The sons of Obed-Edom were Shemaiah, the firstborn, Jehazabeth, the second, Joah, the third, Sikar, the fourth, and Nathaniel, the fifth. Amiel the sixth, Issachar the seventh, Peultai the eighth, for God blessed him, blessed him his son. Also unto Shemaiah his son were born, were sons born, that ruled throughout the house of their father, for they were mighty men of valor. These are priests. These are Levitical priests. Obed-Edom was a priest. The sons of Shemaiah, Achni and Raphael, and Obed, Elzabad, were brethren, were strong men. All these of the sons of Obed-Edom, they and their sons and their brethren, I mean, it went down through generations, <coughs> having the presence of God. I know they talked about it. I know they passed it down from child to child. I was there. I peeked in. I saw. I felt. God blessed us. We had so much, it was just a wonderful time, and I felt so peaceful when I went to bed at night. Everything was just wonderful. <coughs> they recall those three months of the presence of God in their tent. Amazing thought. All right, amen. And then they turned out to be, the whole family of priests turned out to be strong and mighty men. All these of the sons of Obed-Edom, they and their sons and their brothers, able men for strength and for service, were threescore and two, sixty-two of Obed-Edom. And then verse 15, to Obed-Edom southward and to his sons, the house of Asukon. That means he was given a storehouse. That was his gate that he had, he was entrusted to take care of and to secure. That was his, and it has a list of all the other families and their, the areas that they had to take care of, the gates that they had to take care of. But I just think about that Obed-Edom, his sons, his whole family, down through his posterity because of God's presence. They talked of it, they talked of it, and they you know, shared their testimonies of God's presence. It was a wonderful thought. Second Chronicles 23, 19. Remember the story of Joash and Athaliah? killed all of the seed royal except for Joash and he was hidden 
he was hidden. Athaliah, she was a, she was terrible. She was bad as Jezebel. I think they probably were related. Athaliah was terrible. But at a, a time appointed, the priest said, we're getting rid of this woman. She's not of God. She's not doing the things of God. We're going to bring the king out. He was just about seven years old. And we're going to show the people that he's alive. We're going to bring him out. But before he did that, he had all of the gates secured. You don't let anybody in or out. He had everything, the directions that were given. <clears throat> it's amazing. And then uh, verse 19. And he set the porters at the gates of the house of the Lord, that none which was unclean in anything should enter in. Has God changed his standards? Nothing unclean should enter in the gates. Nothing unclean should enter in the gates for our personal life, and to those who are the heads of their families, some are single parents, you know, you've got to take charge. Lead those children in the ways of the Lord. Teach them the things of the Lord. I saw a little baby, I don't know if you probably saw that uh, video on YouTube. It's a newborn baby. And the mother was singing this song, um, You Deserve the Glory. She was just singing it softly over the baby. And the infant, newborn infant, raised his hands like this and kept it up for minutes. He just opened like one eye as he heard his mother singing over him the praises of the Lord. That was very moving. I get all those tear jerkers. Dogs and cats and koala bears. And <laughs> Let's go to Nehemiah. Oh. Nehemiah chapter 1. We've got a lot of verses in Nehemiah, so we'll do it real quick. Nehemiah chapter 1. We remember he was there at Tushan in the palace and he got a message about his home. The gates are burned with fire. The walls are broken down. We are a reproach to the nations around us. And it just burdened Nehemiah's heart to know the story. And so he asked of the king at the risk of his life, just like uh, Esther did. He took his life in his hands because the kings were absolute in those days. They didn't even smile at you, you know, off of your head or whatever they did. You know, get rid of you. But he had favor in the eyes of the king. And he said, I cannot be happy. I cannot have joy when my home and the place of my fathers have been destroyed. So the king said, well, what do you want? You know, I want to go for a few years and, and take care of things, you know. And the king granted him that request. Did he not? Yeah. yeah. And he wept and he cried. Then he made his way with letters from the king. 2.13 says, And I went out by night by the gate of the valley, even before the dragon well into the dung fort, and viewed the walls of Jerusalem 
which were broken down, and the gates that were consumed with fire. He went out in the night, didn't want to make him noticeable. He just went out to see himself what the situation was. We can't take care of a situation until we know how bad it is. You know, you may see something that you say, well, that's all it is, but you need to go get x-ray, you need to get this, you need to get that, find out what the truth is. Sometimes they don't even tell you the truth, but sometimes they do. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, you need to find out and check it out and look at the whole whole picture there and then let God give you wisdom on what to do. So he went and looked. Verse, chapter 3, verse 1, then Eliashib the high priest rose up with his brethren the priests and they builded the sheep gate. They sanctified it, set up the doors of it, even unto the Tower of Man. They sanctified it unto the Tower of Hanamiel. They started getting busy with the walls and the gates. The walls are salvation. The gates are praise. We've got to get them walls up. We've got to get them walls up. All right, Dad. Yeah, verse 3. But the fish gate did the sons of, you know, build, who also laid the beams thereof and set up the doors thereof, the locks and the bars. There's a lot going into those gates. Locks, bars, you got to get all of these things together. Beams, everything had to be strengthened and secure. 5 and 6, verses 5 and 6 of chapter 3. And next to them, the Tekoites repaired, but their nobles put not their necks to the work of the Lord. Lazy bums, just lazy. They would let the small man work, but they weren't going to do anything. God, no. He didn't do that to everybody, but he just had to have this put in there. The Holy Ghost had to put that in there for us to see. Sometimes you'll be wanting to work, but then nobody will want to help you. So... 13 to 15, verses 13 to 15. The valley gate repaired Hanun and the inhabitants of Zanoah. They built it, set up the doors thereof, the locks thereof, the bars thereof, and a thousand cubits on the wall unto the dung gate. Building the wall, strengthening the gates. We are God's building, are we not? We have been fitly framed into the building. And he wants us to be faithful as he's putting it all together. One of these days, this world is going to see what God's been working on all these centuries. It's going to be wonderful. Verse 28 of chapter 3. From above the horse gate repaired the priests, everyone, over against his house. Some more building by the priests. 31, 32, and after him repaired Malchiah, the goldsmith's son. Did you have anything better to do, goldsmith? Building gates out of the rubble? What were they working with? They weren't working with new timbers or, you know, really nice stuff. They were working out of the rubble, salvaging what they could to build with. 
And there, I'm sure that what the team donated for things they used, what they didn't have, was God supplied for them. So neither I nor my brethren nor my servants nor the men of the guard which followed. Well, I'm in the wrong place. Aren't you? And between the going up of the corner unto the sheep gate repaired the goldsmiths and the merchants. God loves rich people too. He loves rich people too. He'll let them. He'll let them play a part in the kingdom of God too. Amen. 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 Nehemiah, <coughs> chapter thirteen. <clears throat> Nehemiah chapter 13 verses 15 to 22 we get a horse but I'll go ahead and read it you can read it for if you want okay in those days I saw in Judah some treading wine presses on the Sabbath and bringing in the sheaves and lading asses as also wine, grapes, and figs and all manners of burdens which they brought unto Jerusalem on the Sabbath day, and I testified against them the day wherein they sold victuals. There dwelt men of Tyre, also therein, which brought fish and all manner of ware, and sold on the Sabbath unto the children of Judah and in Jerusalem. Then I contended with the nobles of Judah and said unto them, What evil thing is this that thou ye do, and profane the Sabbath day? Did not your fathers thus, and did not our God bring all this evil upon us, and upon the city? Yet ye bring more wrath upon Israel by profaning the Sabbath. And it came to pass that when the gates of Jerusalem began to be dark before the Sabbath, I commanded that the gates be shut, and charged they should not be opened until after the Sabbath. And some of my servants set I at the gates that there should be no burden be brought in on the Sabbath day. So the merchants and sellers of all kinds of ware lodged without Jerusalem once or twice. Then I testified against them and said unto them, Why lodge ye without the wall? If ye do so again, I will lay hands on you. From that time forth came they no more on the south. They came no more. Okay, that didn't make sense. Okay. Uh, and I commanded the Levites that they should cleanse themselves, they should come and keep the gates and sanctify the south day. Remember me, O oh my God concerning this also, and spare me according to the greatness of thy mercy. All right, situation of the Sabbath. The gates were supposed to be closed on the Sabbath day. And all kinds of people coming that weren't Jews and they're bringing their wares and bringing their foodstuffs and all of this. And Nehemiah got to the place where he just couldn't take it. This is not gonna continue. This is why one of the reasons why God brought judgment upon us. We didn't keep the time that we're supposed to keep with him. So he, he started getting rough on those people. If you do it again, I'm going to lay hands on you. He wasn't talking about praying over them. Matthew 16:18. You know the enemy has gates too. I think we all know that verse. Yeah. I say unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I build my church. And the what? Gates of hell shall not 
prevail against it. Well, we've got some drug addicts out there. We've got some people that are deep in deep stuff. And there are people that are broken. You know, I've got a story of the three lost things. First, you have a lost coin. There are people like that. They're lost, but they don't know they're lost. And they don't know the way home. Isn't that right? There's some people like that. We have to do it in a different way. You have to, you know, they're not even aware that there's a God. You go to some places in the world, they've never heard of his name or what it's about. Then you have the what? You have the coin. You have the sheep. The sheep was lost. The sheep was lost. It knew it was lost, but it didn't know the way home. There are people like that. They're lost. They know that they're lost, but they just can't find the way home. We're gatekeepers. We know how to tell them. We know how to tell them. The word is nigh, even in our mouths, in our hearts. We can impart it unto them. Then the last one was the prodigal. He was lost. He knew he was lost, and he knew the way home. Backsliders. I believe God's going to bring more backsliders home. We've got a short window, just a very short window before Sister Wiedemann sent me a, a prophecy of one of the elders at the conference. And it was, she wrote it down and texted it to me. And it was uh, very dark, very dark. Judgment is coming. But while we still have opportunity, let's be the gatekeepers for God. Let's be his gatekeepers. Let's be his porters, his doorkeepers. Let's secure those gates. You know, we can sometimes witness to a soul, and then there's no follow-up, and they're gone. You know, people, even when they come back, you know, they love to know that they're, they're missed. And I think this church, more than any church I've ever been in, does that great. We should get an eight for loving on people, Amen. for caring on people, any kind of people that come in here. We encourage them and love them and try to show them God's grace and mercy. Second Chronicles 23, 19, we're almost done. Who's got that? And he set the porters, it's <clears throat> the gatekeepers, at the gates of the house of the Lord, that none which was unclean in anything should enter in. Psalms 87, 2. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. We're living in Zion. We're the gatekeepers. He loves the gates of Zion. I know this is referring to actually Israel, but in a spiritual sense, it also refers to us. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. And God loved Jacob too. God loved Jacob. Last verse, Psalms 24.
Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lift up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory will come in. Are you looking forward to that day? Amen. He's coming. He's coming. Who is this King of glory? The Lord. And of course, that capital L-O-R-D refers to Jehovah God. The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Even lift them up, ye everlasting doors. And the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Amen. The Lord of mighty armies. Great and mighty armies. Yes. And he says when he talks about, you know, the everlasting gates. He's talking about the ancient gates the ancient times. But there are gates also today for our time. And I just thought I would share that. I'm sure I didn't get everything in there. I hope that the thing was working because I did have some interesting things on me to see, but maybe the Lord has given you just a little bit. Lord, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you have given to us this ministry of gates, of taking care of the gates, taking care of our personal gates, our family gates, our community gates, our city, even our nation in prayer, Lord. We're gatekeepers, even for the world. We are your gatekeepers, your porters. And we thank you, Lord, as your priests, who intercede, we carry, just like in Nehemiah, they were threatened. So while they were building the walls and the gates, they had their tool in one hand and their weapon in the other. Lord, these are the times that we're living in. Lord, help us. Grant us your mercy and your grace for the days that are ahead. No fear, Lord, no fear, because we are yours. We are yours. And we love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.